is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number... 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, sometimes I am swimming against the tide. I don't think the tide of history, but the time of modern factions and myths and propaganda. And not just on the progressive left, but the progressive Republicans, as well as the pseudo-conservatives and their various nomenclatures. Now, what am I talking about? Well, they're talking about tax cuts, and I want to get into that a minute, in a minute. But I want to talk to you about something that's not being discussed at all. Not being discussed at all. You know, one of the websites I like a lot is Carp Diem, A-E-I. It really is Mark J. Perry, Professor Perry's uh, site, Professor of Economics and Finance, and I'm a, a huge fan of his. It had been before, I believe, he was even associated with AEI, the American Enterprise Institute. Trade. Trade. We hear about this all the time. How America gets screwed on trade. And they talk about one or two countries. And the truth is, I have serious problems with open trade with China because, to me, China is an enemy state. And now that... President Xi is really fascist Xi of the communist regime of China. I'm even more concerned about it. They steal our technology. They steal our military secrets. This is how they build up their uh, uh, their own military. And we have export controls in place for a reason and have for decades and decades and decades, including during Reagan, to prevent certain types of information, material, technology getting in the hands of enemies or even Adversaries, or even allies for that matter. So when I talk about trade, I'm talking about trading, you know, typical stuff. Now I want to tell you a few things that are probably going to surprise many of you because of the hysterical attacks on market capitalism. Whether it's Bernie Sanders protectionists or Nationals populist protectionists. I want to remind you that We got our Constitution because first these men met not in Philadelphia, but in Annapolis, Maryland. Several months before they met in Philadelphia, some of the states sent some delegates to Annapolis, Maryland, but all the states did not. So they had to basically abandon it and then agree to meet later in Philadelphia. But they met there first and foremost not to discuss a new Constitution, but to discuss commerce and trade among the various states as well as internationally. Because it was a disaster. After the Revolutionary War, America was in deep, deep debt. States were fighting with each other over trade. Uh, They were very parochial in terms of what kinds of trade they would allow and not allow. And they were taxing at the borders or at the river's end in order to prevent trade and commerce. And the French and the British were cleaning our clocks. Financially and economically. And so some of the uh, some of the leaders of the period uh, got this idea that 
They should meet in Annapolis, Maryland, to discuss ways to improve commerce and trade. And you know we have a commerce clause in the Constitution, which grew out of that eventually, which has been totally perverted, but that's a footnote for another time. This nation was founded on commerce and trade, among other things. This nation was founded on respect of private property. This continent, North America, was discovered because of trade. So protectionism per se, as an ideology, is an anathema to Americanism. We don't have free trade. We've never had free trade. It's either freer trade or less freer trade. That's the, that's the choice. So the shorthand is free trade. And, but we have, and I've told you this many times, placed over 12,000 tariffs on various products that are brought into this country for which you pay higher and higher amounts of money in order to protect one business or another, one industry or another. You just don't know about them. But you can check the Internet and you'll learn about them. But the fact of the matter is trade makes us a wealthier people. Makes us a wealthier people. And trade may put some people out of work, but it is a net plus job creator. It's a net plus job creator. Moreover, it is an exercise in individual liberty and national liberty. Now let me give you some specifics about trade. International trade as a share of each state's gross domestic product as of last year, 2016. That's where we have the figures, thanks to uh, Dr. Perry. Let's take the state of Michigan. Now, I'm telling you this because I have to go against the uh, propaganda that is very popular out there right now. Let's take the state of Michigan. It's a heavy union state, automobile state, and so forth and so on. The gross domestic product in Michigan in 2016 was $487 billion. Exports and imports, that is international trade, right? It's not just exports, it's imports too. Not just imports, it's exports too. $189.4 billion. So almost 39% of the economic value created in Michigan is a result of international trade. Michigan is the number one state that benefits from international trade. I know, it's counterintuitive, right, based on the propaganda you've been hearing. It's the number one. The auto industry, as Perry points out, they buy a lot of their parts from Mexico and they ship a lot of their cars to Canada. And a lot of that is assisted by the North American Free Trade Agreement. That's under brutal attack by the president and his, uh, and his like-minded uh, nationalist populist types. So obviously if there's a trade war with Mexico and or Canada, or if there's severe damage done to the North American Free Trade Agreement or NAFTA, which was originally Ronald Reagan's idea, Michigan is going to suffer grievously. Let's take a look at Kentucky. Kentucky's number two. So you have really two completely different states, Michigan and Kentucky. The gross domestic product in Kentucky, and I will link to this on Facebook and Twitter. The gross domestic product in Kentucky 
is $197 billion in 2016. That's all goods and services produced. Exports and imports, $69.3 billion. In any event, they represent 30, over 35% of the economic value created in Kentucky in 2016. Over 35%. Now, why is that? Well, one of the reasons is Kentucky now creates a lot of vehicles. A lot of vehicles. Um, let's see here. Toyota, they have uh, four GM plants. They have two. They have uh, several Ford plants that produce the Expedition, Lincoln Navigator. Um, they have a lot of uh, trade in aerospace manufacturing, civilian aircraft, engine parts, and so forth and so on. So Kentucky, over 35% of the economic value created in 2016 in Kentucky was due to international trade. I'm not going to go through all the states, but can you guess number three? Louisiana. The gross domestic product in Louisiana in 2016 last year was $235 billion, $81.3 billion of which results from exports and imports. That's almost 35%. Tennessee, we'll call these trade shares, trade value is what uh, Perry calls them, 32.5%. South Carolina, 32%. So the irony here is, while some of these pseudo-conservatives and protectionists go on and on about how this is harming the South, how freer trade harms the South, and so forth and so on, the South, among other parts of the country, but the South benefits very heavily from international trade when you consider the value of exports and imports in these states. Texas. Texas's gross domestic product was over $1.6 trillion, 462 billion of which involve trade. That's almost 29% of the Texas economy relies on exports and imports. Washington State, 27%. Indiana, 24.6%. New Jersey, 24%. Georgia, 23.2%. Illinois, 23%. Mississippi, almost 23%. California, 22%. And it goes on. The state that relies... or it's not a state, but the, the entity that relies least on international trade is the District of Columbia. And there's no irony in that. It's obvious. Because what the District of Columbia creates mostly is government. Government. So you need to be very, very suspicious of the protectionists. Because there are states, the entire country would be severely damaged, but there are states that will be particularly damaged, enormously damaged, and of course all consumers will be damaged. What protectionism basically is, is politics. The federal government, politicians and bureaucrats, um, making decisions on which states and which industries should be protected from trade. Again, my caveat, I do not believe in open trade with enemy states. That raises the issue of a national security problem. But as a general matter, we need freer trade. 
and freer trade helps, helps most states, and it certainly helps the country generally. I just wanted to point that out, that without this, this international export-import activity, and we want it to be very vibrant, the nation becomes very, very poor, and there are many fewer jobs. I'll be right back. Lovin. I want to bust a few bubbles here tonight, today, this afternoon on the West Coast. Trade. If we were to really hit the brakes on trade, they call it fair trade. They don't mean fair trade. They mean limiting trade. Um, The automobile industry, uh, people who are involved in agriculture, the coal industry would suffer enormously. The irony is the very unions that lobby for protectionism would see their ranks wiped out as their businesses are wiped out. Let's go to federal spending. I'm doing all this for a reason. Uh, you know, we'll circle, circle back in a minute. Let's look at 2015, because that's the clearest view. I mean, obviously, we're in 2017 now, but 2015. What do you think the biggest percentage of the budget goes to? 33% of total federal spending in 2015, out of $3.8 trillion, 33% went to Social Security, unemployment, and labor-related federal subsidies. 33%. The next biggest, 27%, so now we're talking out of a total 60% of federal spending, went to Medicare and all other health-related expenditures. So these are loosely referred to as entitlements. Now, they're not all entitlements, but a big chunk of it equate with entitlements. That's 60% of federal spending in 2015. What happened to the other 40%? Well, the next biggest chunk goes to the military. A mere 16%. 16% of federal spending in 2015 went to the United States military. And yet really, one of the top priorities of a federal government is to protect the nation, right? Not redistribute wealth. Now what was the biggest spending item, or the fourth, after the military? Interest on the debt was 6%. And it's going to be climbing in the years ahead massively. Followed by 4% on veterans benefits, 4% on food and agriculture subsidies, 3% 3% or $102 billion on the federal contribution to education, $85 billion or 2% of the federal spending budget on transportation, housing and community development, 2% or $61.5 billion, international affairs, 1%, and so forth. There's a, there's a bunch of others, but they're really too small to calculate or to deal with. When we're talking about Social Security, unemployment, and labor, and Medicare and health, within both of those categories, you would have food stamps, welfare, that sort of thing. 
So 60% of the budget, Social Security, unemployment, food stamps, welfare-related expenses, Medicare, other health-related expenses, Medicaid contribution of the federal government, it's enormous. Absolutely enormous. I'm just pointing these things out. Because I think we're going in the wrong direction on all this stuff. Now, let me ask you another question. Where does the biggest chunk of federal tax income come from? Federal tax income. Anybody know? The biggest chunk. Well, let's start with corporations. The corporate federal income tax. Is that the biggest piece? No. What would you guess it is, Mr. Producer? What would you guess? 11%. You would have thought it was higher, wouldn't you? It's 11%. So when we talk about cutting the corporate, the federal corporate income tax rate to 15% or 10% or whatever, it has a minimal effect on the federal tax income of the federal government, but an enormous effect on job creation. Now the liberal will see it through the other side of the mirror. Oh, well, let's jack up the taxes if it's only 11%. And yet, the federal corporate income tax in this country is among the highest in the world. What I'm saying is, you can slash the corporate income tax. You can make it zero, and the impact would be minimal. I'll be right back. New American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. This will all make sense when I'm done. I don't do talk radio like everybody else. I just don't. And I don't want to blow the opportunity of using three hours a day just to chit-chat. This will all make sense when I'm done. I'll even go to a liberal site, the uh, Tax Policy Center, Urban Institute and Brookings Institute. Let's take their figures. They say 9.2% of federal tax revenue comes from corporate income tax. Okay. 34% comes from Social Security, that is the payroll tax. That would also include Medicare and so forth, your FICA. And the individual income tax is responsible for 47.3% of federal revenue. 47.3%. Well, who pays the individual income tax? Anybody know? Who pays the individual income tax? Well, I'm going to tell you as soon as my computer comes back because I want it all to be quite accurate for you. Here we go. Well, I guess not. Well, you're not going to like what I'm going to tell you. First of all, a huge percentage of our fellow citizens don't pay any income taxes. Approximately 45% of our fellow citizens, that's of households who pay income taxes, of households who are, well, 45% of our fellow citizens do not pay taxes, and that, and that, the federal income taxes, and that equates with 77 million households. Pay nothing. Mark, they pay payroll tax. I'm not talking about payroll tax. I'm talking about income taxes. 
So who pays this tax? Well, 54.7%. So 45.3% pay no federal income tax, 54.7% do. Well, who? The top 1% of taxpayers pay a higher effective income tax rate than any other group. The rich. I know this is unpopular for me to say these things. These are the facts. Uh, Those in the bottom 40% of the income spectrum end up getting money from the government earned income tax credit, and so forth. The richest 20% of Americans, and that includes many of you, you may not realize it, by far pay the most in income taxes. You pay nearly 87% of all the income taxes collected by the federal government. So, nearly half of the income the federal government gets is from the individual income tax. Nearly half of our fellow Americans don't pay anything in terms of the federal income tax. Many of them get money back when they file tax returns. Want to hear more? The top 1% of Americans who have an average income of more than $2.1 million pay 43.6% of all the federal income taxes in America. The top 0.1%, the people we must hate, that's only 115,000 households, whose average income is more than $9.4 million, pay more than 20% of all federal income taxes. So when it comes to all federal income taxes, the richest, let's see here, rich people pay 69% of all federal taxes in America. The lowest 20% get money back. Get money back. Now I know, I know, this goes contrary to all the propaganda, but here's what's bothering me about all this. Here's what's bothering me about all this. The president and the Republicans, who are supposed to stand for liberty, who are supposed to stand for capitalism, who are supposed to stand for private property rights and all the rest of it, are talking like Marxists. That's what they're doing. They want another bracket, and they call it the million-dollar bracket. This is the sort of thing you hear from, from the kooks in Maryland, from the kooks in New Jersey, from the kooks in California, the Democrats who run, who run the legislatures in these states. This is what you get from them. You know, they call it a, a, a surtax or an extra tax on rich people, and, of course, the people leave the state and they go somewhere else, and then they think twice, well, maybe we shouldn't have done that. This is a little different. They want to have a million-dollar bracket. President likes it. The Republicans in Congress like it. Now, what's the problem with this? How the hell do you ta- cut federal income taxes without cutting federal income taxes for the vast majority of people who actually pay them? You and the rich. When 45.3 percent of our fellow citizens don't pay a dime in federal income taxes, and in fact, many of them get monies back. For some reason. If you're going to cut taxes, you need to cut it, right? On the other 54, 55%. But because now the Republicans and the President are playing class warfare, they want to create another bracket. Class warfare. Now, I know people hate it when I refer to Reagan because... uh, Reagan is the gold standard, and they support politicians today who simply can't make the gold standard. 
president goes round and round and says he's proposing the biggest tax cuts in American history. That's BS. When Reagan cut the top rate from 70% in two cuts down to 28%, that was the biggest tax cut in American history. Having a millionaire tax bracket and cutting 39.6% for some people to 35% and then having a 25%, it's not the biggest tax cut in American history, not even close to the Reagan tax cuts. But it's even, but even more important than all this, you would never ever have heard Reagan talk about class warfare in a million-dollar tax bracket. Never would have happened. He fought the left on his principles, on sound economic arguments, on sound federal fiscal policy. He didn't buy into this propaganda stuff. He didn't genuflect to them. If the Republicans and the president aren't going to make the case for liberty whether it's economic liberty or any other kind of liberty, if they're not going to make the case for private property rights, if they're not going to make the case for capitalism, then who the hell is going to make the case? Besides me. Who the hell is going to make the case in positions of power? It's the same thing with trade. People are afraid to talk about trade. You want to kill the automobile industry? You want to kill agriculture? You want to kill the coal miners? You want to kill assembly lines all across this country? Then be a protectionist. Sure, you'll save this industry or that industry, save, quote unquote. But you'll destroy a large number of other industries and jobs. And let me tell you something. It doesn't take guts for me to say this, because I believe it in my heart and in my soul, and I always have. But it takes guts for others to say it, because we now have a conga line of rockets of rockets and pom-pom boys and girls who talk like Bernie Sanders. Now, they don't go as far as Bernie Sanders. We need to make the case for economic growth. And I'll tell you what, I hear the economic growth guys saying we should slash taxes on companies. I have no problem with that. But if they pay anywhere from 9% to 11% of federal income taxes, 9% to 11%, It'll have an impact, but there's a greater impact if you slash taxes across the board, stop playing class warfare, stop trashing, quote-unquote, the rich, which may be a couple of people in a family, a firefighter and a teacher, or maybe, look, it could be a small business guy or gal that hits it one year, that has a good year. Well, we really got to punish them. And I'll tell you what. The Republicans, even though it was just shot down, were even talking about changes, changes to your 401k retirement plans. We can now donate, contribute, I should say, up to $18,000, right? Or 24000 for people over 50. They wanted a limit to 2400 bucks. And most of us don't even have pension plans with our companies, with our businesses and so forth. This is the way you save for your retirement so you don't become a welfare state recipient when you hit retirement age. This is the kind of thing that's supposed to be encouraged. And yet Republicans were seriously talking about this. Meanwhile, I'm not done. Meanwhile, our buddies at CNSNews.com, this just came out. Republican Congress presides over... 
Highest spending since Obama's stimulus. Highest spending since Obama's stimulus. And we don't even talk about it anymore. We don't even discuss the debt anymore. Real federal spending in fiscal 27, which ended on September 30, was higher than in any year in the history of the United States other than fiscal 2009, which was the year Obama's $840 billion stimulus law was enacted. And while it was collecting the third highest total tax revenues in American history, the federal government ran a deficit, a yearly deficit, of $666 billion because of its high spending total. The Republicans have controlled the House of Representatives since 2011, and the Republicans have controlled the Senate since 2014. Make that 2015. What do you make of all this? It's not just Congress, it's the President too, you know. And much of conservative media is sitting on its hands too. What do you make of all this? Massive spending. Tax cuts where they talk like Bernie Sanders about the class warfare stuff. Where they're mostly anti-trade. Oh, we favor fair trade. Oh, okay, right, sure. What do you make of all this stuff? Is the Republican Party a conservative party? What is it? I'll be right back. Mark in. You know, now that I've been sleeping on my Casper mattress for a good long while, I would pick it over every mattress I've ever had, really. really helps me get the best night's sleep, period. You know, when my kids needed new mattresses, I told them get a Casper. Same with other family members. I tell friends when we're having dinner together, you know, my back, get a Casper. Once you try Casper, you're going to love it, too. Switching to a Casper is a no-brainer. It's a higher-quality mattress at a more affordable price. I'm sleeping cool and comfortably every night, much better than on the old, overpriced mattress I used to have. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small, how-do-they-do-that-size box. They'll even pick it up if you don't love it and refund you everything. From its breakthrough design and superior quality to its packaging to letting you try it for 100 nights, again, Now, like a strip mall where you're going, oh, I'm not sure. I think it's okay. 100 nights. It's no wonder Casper was named one of Fast Company's 50 most innovative brands of 2017. You can put Casper to the test, you know, in your own home for 100 nights, risk-free. Go to Casper.com, use code MARK, and you could save $75 on your purchase. And these mattresses are already very well-priced. That's Casper.com, code MARK. Minimum purchase required. See site for details, terms, and conditions apply. That's Casper.com, code MARK. Okay, let's see here. Let's take some calls. Lou, Milford, Connecticut, on the Mark Levin app. Go. My radio hero. Uh, Thank you, sir. I have a question for you. And this obviously pertains to people who live in high-tax states. Uh, Not only those that have income tax, but are taxed uh, very high for uh, property. Right. Uh, 
I pay more in property tax than I do in my mortgage interest. Right. And I wonder, Mark, if this uh, loss of this deduction will adversely affect and disincentivize people who earn, I'll just throw a number out there, $100,000 or less. Well, here's what they say, the people who are promoting this uh, plan in Congress and in the White House. They say because your rate will be slashed, depending on what you earn, uh, in many respects, it'll all come out in the wash or pretty close. So you really need to figure that out for yourself. In other words, take the rate, take a look. I mean, if you're going to save a couple hundred dollars or $500 a month, it could, in fact, be the case. But maybe not. I don't know in your particular case. I, I do uh, know this. I do know this. One of the unfortunate local and state policy consequences of the progressive income tax and the deductions is you see these these blue states and these blue communities, they raise taxes, and one of the things they say is you can take it off your federal income tax. Uh, I don't really know why we're tackling all this right now. Just slash the damn tax rates and slash the size of government. Here's the problem, Lou. Nobody's talking about cutting government, are they? No, and Connecticut Nobody. doesn't even have a budget. I'm not talking about Connecticut, the federal government. Nobody's talking about cutting spending. Nobody. The president's not, the senators aren't, the House members aren't. Instead, they're talking about a trillion dollars in infrastructure spending, like that hasn't been tried before, right? Instead, they talk about family leave. Instead, they talk about more money needs to be spent on Medicaid. What's happened, Lou, quite frankly, as, as, I, as, as I think about this as I'm talking to you, is as the Democrat progressives have moved into radical progressivism, the Republicans have become far more liberal. Far more liberal, even since the Reagan days. They do not talk about cutting government. They don't talk. They won't even campaign on it. All right, my friend. You take care of yourself. Let us go to David, Alexandria, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Mark, it's a real pleasure. Uh, I graduated college in 90. I'm 49 years old. And well, since there then, you go. Uh, I, I have made, there have been years where I made 18, 19 grand a year. In years where I made over 500000 a year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means um, middle class, upper class, upper middle class. It means nothing to me. Right now I'm divorced. Um, last year I had to file the earned income tax credit, mm-hmm. which was uh, an embarrassment to me because I didn't earn much money. Mm-hmm. I actually received money back. But I think your point is, one year you can be very wealthy, and one year yeah. you can be very poor, which is the nature, in many cases, of the way people exist. I, I, you pinball back and forth, and there's no such thing as, well, we want to do this for the middle uh, middle class. There is no middle class. You can be middle class one day and anything else the next day, and it just drives me crazy, this class warfare, Mark. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. All right. Let's go to Derek, Richmond, Virginia, on the great WRVA country. Go ahead. Hey, Mark, let me first just tell you it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you, um, sir. I, I live here in uh, Richmond, Virginia now, but I have a background in uh, the aluminum extrusion industry. Uh, mm-hmm. This calls pertaining to uh, protectionism versus free trade. Mm-hmm. Um, in there our, is no free trade. It's freer trade or yeah, less freer yeah. trade. Well, well I'll, I'll be I apologize, I'll get to my point quickly, but uh, in our industry, you may be aware that there is an import tariff on Chinese extrusions coming to... Right, they already initiated an anti-dumping duty on the Chinese. 
my my request or my hope would be that you and I could agree uh, that with that caveat in instances of dumping, um, you know, that is not free trade. Can you name ten instances of dumping, ten industries? I cannot. No, you can't. So this is really the exception to the rule, isn't it? It is. Okay, so we have we have anti-dumping. The the Commerce Department has anti-dumping powers when they're so identified, and they already took action against the Chinese. So I'm saying, yeah, fine. What, what do you have? Three instances of industries where there's dumping. The the nation is far far bigger than any single industry, whether it's aluminum or steel or kumquats or whatever it is. All right, Derek. Thanks for your call. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I don't watch these Sunday shows, so Mr. Producer puts some of these things together for me, and I check them out. We decide whether we're going to put them on our list or not. But I heard Mitch McConnell, who was on Fox News Sunday, with Dana Perino. I guess she was subbing. I want you to listen to this. Cut five, go. But I was curious about two conservatives that are now actually very good allies of yours who you didn't initially support in the primaries. That would be, for example, Marco Rubio and Pat Toomey. So could it be that there are some good GOP senators that can emerge from primaries that you maybe wouldn't anticipate? Actually, I supported both of those uh, senators. No, No, you didn't, and you're a liar. And I knew you didn't. He runs the National Republican Senatorial Committee, okay? That's his baby. And there's usually a Republican senator other than him who actually has the title of chairman or of, of this committee, but he runs it. That's his baby. And this PAC, or whatever, it's not a PAC, this party entity is loaded with lobbyist money, K Street, you name it. This is from June 12, 2009, McClatchy Newspapers. McConnell endorses Charlie Crist in Republican Senate contest. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell may have a tepid relationship with fellow Kentucky Republican Jim Bunning. Jim Bunning couldn't stand McConnell. But he's giving GOP rising star and 2010 Senate candidate Florida Governor Chris Christie, uh, Chris, uh, Charlie Crist rather, Charlie Crist, a thumbs up. According to Crist's website, McConnell gave the governor a full-throated endorsement. Quote, Decisions are being made every day in Washington that have a direct impact upon the lives of all Americans, and we need Charlie Crist in the U.S. Senate to ensure that those decisions will benefit the citizens of Florida. Crist, McConnell, and other party luminaries are slated to attend a campaign fundraising event for the governor later this month at the National Republican Senatorial Committee's Washington headquarters. Now, I want you to play this again, Mr. Producer. Cut five. Go. 
But I was curious about two conservatives that are now actually very good allies of yours who you didn't initially support in the primaries. That would be, for example, Marco Rubio and Pat Toomey. So could it be that there are some good GOP senators that can emerge from primaries that you maybe wouldn't anticipate? Actually, I supported both of those uh, senators many times. So you say a flat-out, flat-out line. Flat-out line. I don't know what he did with Toomey. I could take a look. But Toomey took on Arlen Specter, and I suspect McConnell supported Arlen Specter. Go ahead. Same side. Uh, but the point is, to make policy, you got to win elections. And okay, the- stop. Well, you won elections, and you control the Senate, and you're not making policy, which is why I spent a full hour, the first hour, on policy, whether it's trade, whether it's taxes, whether it's spending, the size of government, whether it's the debt. We're not making policy. The more radical the Democrats have become, the more liberal the Republicans have become. Where now they talk about class warfare, as they did the Democrats when Reagan was president, fighting class warfare. Well, we need a millionaire bracket. Who talks like this? other than leftists. So he has this phrase down that he memorized. He probably found it a fortune cookie in order to make policy if the win elections and the losers go home. But that's not true. Sometimes the losers are elected. That is, the losers when it comes to fundamental uh, policy differences here. The Republican Party has changed. It's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. Not because they're not nationalist populists who are protectionists and they want infrastructure spent. No, it's because they are not getting back to constitutional conservatism. The limits on government. The limits on spending. The limits on the size of government. It is a huge, huge problem and it's not getting any better. He did not support Marco Rubio in the Republican primary. He supported Charlie Crist. He did not support Mike Lee. He supported Bob Bennett. He did not support Ted Cruz. He supported Dewarst. And he didn't support Rand Paul either. And I can go down the list. Ron Johnson got no support from him this time around. And by the way, they're all winners. They all won. McConnell does not want conservatives who are going to rock the boat. Because it complicates things for him. Because it complicates things for him. Go ahead. And uh, quoting, as I said, are specialists in nominating people who lose. That isn't going to help President Trump uh, achieve his agenda. He needs a Republican senator. You know, ladies and gentlemen, maybe I'll do it one of these days if I get bored enough. I will go through the list of Republican establishment-endorsed candidates over the last 10 years, all of whom have gone down to a burning, bloody defeat. Starting with John McCain and Mitt Romney. Right? And his hero, Gerald Ford. He can keep up this propaganda, but what's required here is somebody that really knows the election results and really takes them on and then takes it one step further. What have you done with your majority? And I'll have his four things that he did. 
His four things that he did. But I wanted to emphasize this. Because he doesn't even tell the truth today about what he did. Can you imagine Charlie Crist as the senator from from Florida? He's now a Democrat congressman from Florida, but can you imagine? And it shows you how really bad McConnell's political antenna are. They're horrible. Claims to be this great. And, And again, he actually believes that the reason the Senate was taken by the Republicans in 2014 is because he and his buddies came up with good candidates. And same with 2016. The guy is absolutely insane politically. Absolutely bizarre. The Republicans took the Senate in 2014, and they took the Senate in 2016, and they took the House in 2010, and they took the presidency in 2016 because of you, because of conservatives, constitutional conservatives, period, period. Not because of the great candidates they selected. We've been trying to stop Schumer, trying to stop uh, Pelosi, trying to stop uh, Reid, trying to stop the Democrats. That's why they have the majorities. If Mitch McConnell had had his way and they were busy selecting winners all the time, who really turned out to be losers, the Republicans wouldn't control a damn thing. They wouldn't control a damn thing. And if they don't perform as well as they should in this coming election cycle, it it will be because of people like Mitch McConnell. And that's the truth. What are Mitch McConnell's proposals on the debt? Anybody know one? When Mitch McConnell was the Republican leader in 2014 and the Republican minority leader prior to that, when Obama was president of the United States, what did he do to protect the United States military? Sequestration? Severely damaged the United States military. What did Mitch McConnell and the Republicans do to stop Obama with the uh, Iran deal? They didn't stop the Iran deal. They greased the skids for the Iran deal. What did Mitch McConnell and the Republicans done to secure the border? Oh, they haven't secured the border. In fact, there's really no serious talk about it today. Oh, okay. There's something horribly wrong. I don't know if it's the way they select leaders in the United States Senate and the House of Representatives. I'm not sure. I don't know. But how many times can I, in good faith, get behind this microphone and tell you we get we got to blow these guys out politically, and we do, and we get the same damn thing. Get the same damn thing. And you got people running around essentially saying the same thing now. we got to primary these guys and defeat these guys. Okay, got it. But it's going to take more than that. It's going to take more than that. I just wish those who are running around saying these things would be much more active in Convention of States in Article 5, because that's really the only hope. This other stuff, I mean, I'm not against trying, but you see how it goes, right? No, Mitch, you supported Charlie Crist for the Senate in 2010 in Florida. You did not support Marco Rubio, just as an example. Nor did you support all these other conservatives whose whose, uh, names I mentioned. That's a fact. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
I did do a little looking on the Toomey race, Inspector. Let's do this again. Cut five, go. But I was curious about two conservatives that are now actually very good allies of yours who you didn't initially support in the primaries. That would be, for example, Marco Rubio and Pat Toomey. So could it be that there are some good GOP senators that can emerge from primaries that you maybe wouldn't anticipate? Actually, I supported both of those uh, senators. Stop. Now, I already proved to you that he lied about Rubio because he backed Christ. He's also lied about Toomey. He lied about Toomey. The National Republican Senatorial Committee, which I already told you about, which is his baby, it's his funding source, it's his campaign identity, too, stood with Arlen Specter against then-former Congressman Pat Toomey. Pat Toomey had, had run the Club for Growth for a period of time. So uh, the fact is that McConnell backed Specter against Toomey. If he didn't do it, Openly, he did it through the National Republican Senatorial Committee. So if McConnell had had his way, if he had had his dream ticket, Specter would have been re-elected as a Republican from Pennsylvania. Crist would have been elected as a Republican from Florida. I'm telling you, this guy is a chameleon, an absolute chameleon. McConnell, I'm speaking of. So he tells us to Dana Perino on Fox when the research is easily done. The research is easily done. Pathetic. He's absolutely pathetic. Denny, Dayton, Ohio, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? How are you, Mark? Mark, when you talk about them wanting to raise these tax brackets and stuff, I kind of wanted to call you and mention this little story. Um, before about these high tax brackets. My grandfather started a business in the 30s. My father um, took it over, ran it. My grandfather died in 1959, just before I was born. I've got all the old family archives and photos. While digging through them, I uncovered a 1960 tax return. That was my father's. I thought, well, why is this here? Well, I looked it up. It's from when my father inherited that business, a manufacturing business of about 120 employees. My father paid over $1 million in federal taxes in 1960, about an 80% tax bracket he fell into because of the way it was constructed at that time, the confiscatory uh, tax revenue. And my father really, he should have just shuttered the business and liquidated, but he uh, you know, had to deal with this new situation of having a new business partner in the federal government, and he uh, worked hard, <clears throat> became a brittle type 1 diabetic by the mid-60s from stress with no history in our family. And uh, um, had to sell the business in the 1980s because of his failing health. He sold it to the employees because he wanted them to have control of their future. And my father lost him some years ago. He never got to enjoy it. And that's what these tax brackets really do. Mm-hmm. People will say, well, that's 80%. Today, you know, it's about 40%. But what they don't understand is the massive increase in state taxes, the massive expense of federal, state, local regulations, all kinds of sales taxes that didn't exist before. I mean, the tax burden is enormous, even today. But, but what it does is, if you own a farm or a small business, if they go to these high taxes, like they're talking about the million-dollar tax, well, he didn't inherit a bunch of cash. He inherited buildings and machinery and inventory mm-hmm. and non-liquid assets. And he you know, had some health insurance and structure to fight it, but it, it literally killed him. Um, yep. And he should have shuttered the business, and that's that's what families face, and what small businesses face in this 
country when they get into these situations, and I get so irritated when I, I, irritated, I get mad. I get flat out mad when I hear these. But th- this is part of the problem with this populist stuff, isn't it? Because you get uh, this this class warfare stuff is an outgrowth of populism, is it not? It absolutely is, Mark. And, and it absolutely is. And our tax policy is a populist tax policy. It's called progressivism. Correct. Progressivism is populism. At least populism predated progressivism. And then the progressives devour the populace. I'm just telling you the history, the, the, the dateline. And so when people say, I'm a populist, I think what they mean is the, uh, the Congress ought to represent its voters. But that's very different. That's why I talk about Americanism, not nationalism, not populism, or constitutional conservatism. So we remember that we're a republic, that we have unalienable rights, that property rights matter. And property rights, that's not just physical. That's my property. That's my right. You know, the land you're on, although it's certainly that. But it's also what you earn. So the government's supposed to take what it needs to to conduct its uh, its legitimate functions, not to take money from you to give it to somebody else, to redistribute wealth um, on on levels that that, that are forty cents out of every dollar. And meanwhile, forty five percent of our fellow citizens don't pay a dime in federal income taxes. And one of the problems with the uh, Trump Republican proposal now, and I talked about this the day it was announced. They're going to have more and more people who aren't going to pay any federal income taxes. I think that's nuts. Absolutely nuts. I completely agree, Mark. I, uh, I do love your book. Uh, I've got it on audio, and I listen to it when I drive down to the Outer Banks of North Carolina to fish. And I'll be headed there Saturday, and we'll listen to it again. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate your call very much. I know this isn't being discussed all over the TV and radio, what we're talking about. That's okay. It needs to be discussed because there's a lot of other things going on. I know they grab our attention. I know we're fed this stuff, and we we may jump into some of it too later on, but this is the bread and butter of a society. This is a bread and butter whether we exist or not. This is the bread and butter for your family. It really is. Frank Little Elm, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Hey, Mark. Hey, I just am so excited. I just got your new book. I can't wait to read it. Thank you, sir. Very much, and I love your show. You know, Mark, you know, in some sense, you've asked the ultimate rhetorical question, why doesn't the Republican Party act like a conservative party? And the answer is, they're not, Mark. Exactly. Look what's happened to our Republican Party. It's it's a Venn diagram where you had started out with two circles back when Ronald Reagan was president, and I remember him. And what you've seen over the years is these two circles come together. They all are are like drunken sailors. They spend on everything they can. They never cut taxes unless it favors them. They don't cut spending. And this whole talk of cutting taxes in general is just a joke, Mark. There's no conservatives left. Maybe a handful, Ted Cruz, maybe Mike Lee, but there's not many left at all. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you. I appreciate it, Frank. You know, uh, they love the point. We got Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. We did. Is, is that the beginning and end of it, folks? I mean, you know, Congress in and of itself has constitutional responsibilities, too. Not just the Supreme Court. Congress. Congress has constitutional responsibilities, too. I'll be right back.
establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. If they want it, you know they'll take it. Your paycheck, your bank accounts, everything. The IRS doesn't mess around. And they recently added hundreds of new tax enforcers and even private collection agencies to help track you down. If you owe back taxes, or if the IRS claims you do, if you haven't filed in some time, here's how you get your life back. Call Optima Tax Relief before the Army of IRS Enforcers targets you. Optima Tax Relief are experts in the Fresh Start Initiative program, perhaps the biggest IRS break ever. But listen, changes in tax laws are likely, and this great program could be affected. If it goes away, you missed a huge opportunity, so you really need to act. Call Optima Tax Relief. Ask them if you qualify for the Fresh Start program. Ask them about their A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. And while you're at it, ask them how they've saved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients. Let Optima step between you and the IRS and solve your tax problems. Here's what you do. Call 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. There you go. All right. Let's see. Well, you know what? Before I get to the calls, there's no escaping this. This gold star wife, Maisha Johnson, widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. First of all, I keep hearing that Niger, what took place in Niger is like Benghazi. Well, there are several differences. Number one, the Republicans aren't covering up anything in Niger. They want to know what took place in Niger. So, number two, the media which basically covered up and ignored Benghazi, is not covering up and ignoring Niger because it's happened while Trump is commander-in-chief. Number three, those troops were sent there not by Donald Trump, but by Barack Obama. That's not an excuse. I'm just straightening this out so there's some facts on the table, right? Number four, and if I mispronounce her name, I, I, I deeply regret it. Maishia Johnson, I believe, is, is the widow's name, the Gold Star wife's name. Maishia Johnson, widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson, who was, who was killed in Najib. She winds up on Good Morning America today. And while I'm driving in the car, I'm listening to all this discussion about this. And maybe I'm missing something. You know that Maisha Johnson didn't contact Good Morning America to go on that show, right? You know that Good Morning America sought her out, right? So when we talk about the politicization of something that is solemn, it's not just the congresswoman, it's also the media. The media want this to continue. In fact, they want other people to come forward and make the same allegations. Good Morning America is a shameful, shameful program run by a Democrat leftist hitman dressed up as a journalist, George Stephanopoulos. And that's what it'll always be. That's what he wanted to be, and that's what he always will be, regardless of now the clean shave and the, uh, and the silk tie. So Good Morning America had to go out and try and find the widow, maybe through the congresswoman somehow, 
in- coax the woman or encourage the woman or offer the woman an opportunity to come on the program to trash the president. That's what the media have become in this country. You know, they say maybe there's too much media, you know, with all the alternative media out there and websites. and this. It's not true. What there's too much of is liberalism in media, is progressivism in media. And so here is what the, uh, what the widow had to say. Cut nine, go. Me and my family was in the limo to receive my husband from, I think that was Denver, Dover we went to. Dover. Dover. And we was literally on the airport strip getting ready to get out. And he called Master Sergeant Neil phone. I asked Master Sergeant Neil to put his phone on speaker so my aunt and uncle could hear as well. And he goes on to saying his statement as what he said was... The president. Yes, the president said that he knew what he signed up for, but it hurts anyways. And I was... It made me cry because... I was very angry at the, the tone of his voice and how he said it. Like he, he, he couldn't remember my husband's name. The only way he remembered my husband's name because he told me he had my husband report in front of him. And that's when he actually... I, I, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to pick this apart, but she did say he doesn't remember her husband's name, but the only way he remembered his name is he had the report in front of him. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but that doesn't jibe. Well, then he did remember the name, but how does she know the only way he remembered his name is he had the report in front of him? But I must say, anyway, go ahead. LaDavid, I heard him stumbling on trying to remember my husband's name. And that what hurt me the most because if my husband is out here fighting for our country and he risks his life for our country, why can't you remember his name? And that would make me upset and cry even more, because my husband was an awesome soldier. But he did mention his name, according to the widow. He mentioned his name, but she said he got it off a report. Now, I know this may seem odd, but the president doesn't know every one of these people. He doesn't know them. He has to be told their name. He has to be told their name. He has to be told who the person is and what happened to the person it's only realistic it's only logical but as I'm listening to this I thought to myself how many times did any of the mothers or widows since the media wants to compare this to Benghazi let's compare the media's coverage to Benghazi How many times did the mothers of the widows get this kind of treatment on Good Morning America? How many times were their words about Obama and and Hillary Clinton taken to heart? When did the media want to get to the bottom of the Benghazi story? Did they think that was an anti-Obama right-wing conspiracy from day one? See, the media are the media, ladies and gentlemen. The media are the Democrat Party. The media are the progressive movement. The media are incredibly dishonest. That is a fact. That is a fact. Let's go to cut 11. Go. 
But today I want to set the record straight and I want people to understand what is actually happening in Africa and try to connect the dots because I think this is going to be this administration's Benghazi. Wow, this is Frederica Wilson who didn't give a damn about Benghazi. And how can this be this administration's Benghazi? We didn't have somebody go out on multiple Sunday shows, five like Susan Rice, and lie. They didn't blame anything on a video. You know, nobody was uh, set up to go to prison. Um, already the uh, the head of the Joint Chiefs, the Secretary of Defense, have talked to, met with members of Congress, talked to the press. There's absolutely no comparison whatsoever, but they want there to be a comparison. And the reason is they've politicized this. They've politicized the widow. They've politicized the deaths. They've politicized this. We ought to get to the bottom of what happened in Niger. And I suspect in this administration we will. I don't think General Mattis is going to cover up anything for anybody. It's, there's nothing in it for Trump to cover this up. He's not responsible for it. He's commander-in-chief, but it wasn't his decision to go into Niger. So what, 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 what would compel him to cover up anything? What would compel the, the, the Secretary of Defense to cover up anything? Seriously. And the fact is they haven't. As I say, they didn't send out their national security... Uh, advisor to lie on five Sunday shows. They didn't send out their Secretary of Defense to lie on five Sunday shows. They haven't sent out anybody to lie about anything. They're trying to piece it together and figure it out too. As a matter of fact, the FBI is investigating. Tell me, when did the FBI begin investigating Benghazi? Does anyone know? I don't know. Certainly wasn't early on. But we had a a, a cover-up of massive proportions when it came to Benghazi. Hillary Clinton lied. The President of the United States lied. They lied there at Dover Air Force Base. Right there with the caskets, with the flags adorning them. They lied from day one. Who exactly is lying here? Who exactly wants to cover this up? But it it is appalling what Good Morning America and these other news outlets will do for a story, for ratings, and of course to trash the President. To trash the President. And the president tweeted out a very respectful, thoughtful comment after this interview. I'm paraphrasing. He said, look, we had a a very nice discussion. uh, And yes, I did remember his name. There's nothing in this for the president. And the idea that he would call and embarrass the widow and say things that were not appropriate and so forth is absolutely nonsensical. But again, in her own way, she kind of pointed this out. The president said that he knew what he signed up for, but it hurts anyway, she said. And I was, it made me cry because I was very angry at the tone of his voice and how he said it. He couldn't remember my husband's name. The only way he remembered my husband's name was because he told me he had my husband's report in front of him. Okay, so he mentioned your husband's name. I mean, to make, to, to, to turn this into this is, is just so outrageous. And of course, whenever you get a left-wing Democrat congresswoman involved or the media involved, that's what happens. I'll be right back.
2010 Camaro, but it's reached that age where things start going wrong, of course. I don't worry about those problems anymore, though, because I got extended vehicle service protection from CarShield. Now, getting covered by CarShield is a really great idea. It's affordable protection that can save you thousands for a covered repair. A new fuel pump costs over $500, and replacing a water pump's over 1000 bucks. CarShield even has plans to cover your car's computer. GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield's the ultimate in extended vehicle coverage, and they get your favorite mechanic or dealership paid directly so you're not the middleman. Sign up today, get 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is in the shop. Save yourself from high repair bills. Get covered by CarShield like I did before something goes wrong. 800-CAR-6100 and mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code L-E-V-I-N, save 10%. A deductible may apply. All right, let's take some calls here. Let's see who we've got. We've got Eugene in Santa Maria, California, the great KSMX. Go. Yes, thanks so much, Mark, for taking my call. You got it. I tell you, conservative Republicans... We have a, uh, two enemies here. We have Mitch McConnell, which represents the liberal Republicans, which are worthless, and we also have the Democrats. Those guys have to go if this country has a future, because they're in the way of us as Americans from enjoying our freedom and liberty that God gave us. Mitch McConnell has no respect for those freedom and liberties, and as a result... Another thing, Mark, I, over the years, I've been in the Republican Party over 40 years, and I've never in my life seen a Republican that was a liberal that was smart. Every one of them that I've seen has the habits and the culture like a Democrat. They're lazy. Mitch McConnell is basically, if you look at him and you look at his MO, he's lazy. That's why he can't lead. He doesn't have the characteristics to lead. We need a conservative Republican in charge of the Senate to lead us out of this mess. This nation is at a crossroad, Mark. And if we're going to have a future, we have to lead ourselves out of this mess that we're in. We have too much debt. We have too many problems. The inner city has problems. The major problem in the inner city has to do with laziness. The government is too big, has made those people worthless, Mark, and lazy. All right, thanks for your call. People are not lazy and worthless. All right, let's go to Gail, Malvern, Pennsylvania, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hi, Mark. Hi. I I always find your show very interesting. Uh, Tonight, listening to your remarks regarding tax reform, I... I wanted to comment because I've been paying very, very close attention. Um, I have some economics background, and uh, therefore I think I pay closer attention than others who may not be interested in economics. And the same people that have helped in the past President Reagan with his dynamic, wonderful tax cuts 
are helping have helped President Trump. And when I hear these absurdities coming out, I I just know that it's uh, the Congress, probably Paul Ryan and company, undermining the president because the president. Well, to a to to a point. I mean. We may have some of the same people helping Trump who helped Reagan, but Reagan was his own man. Reagan would never have done this class warfare stuff. Reagan was not about creating a millionaire's bracket. And uh, when you read some of the stuff out there, the president is very concerned about being viewed as cutting taxes for the rich. Whereas Reagan fought that off. He said, I'm cutting taxes for everybody. And he made the case over and over and over and over again. I think this extra bracket that they've created, is not only a mistake economically, but it plays right into the hands of the left. I mean, we're never going to get out of this mentality if we don't have powerful leaders who fight it. President Trump has not... Are you there? I'm listening. What what happened? Was I rude? I don't think I was. I explained something. Well, Gail went away. John, Foxborough, Massachusetts, Sirius uh, Satellite. Go ahead. Oh, uh, Mark, it's such an honor to talk to you. I, I really uh, can't believe I'm having this opportunity. But um, thank you, John. Thank you so, thank you so much for everything that you've taught me uh, since I've been listening, and um, and I'm trying to spread the word. I'm I'm, I'm about uh, I'm one of maybe a, a, a half a dozen conservatives up here in Massachusetts, and it's yeah. tough. <laughs> It's a tough fight, but... Um, you, know, you know what's depressing about that, John, when you consider the revolution began in Massachusetts, when you had these truly great men like Sam Adams and uh, John Hancock and, uh, and, and so many others, Dr. Warren, and I could go on and on, and it really is just unbelievable what's happened to Massachusetts. You know, and, and you've, um, you've talked about Dr. Warren, and, and uh, you've read his letters, and... and I didn't even know that. I lived here my whole life. But yeah. uh, in any event, <clears throat> I, I just, I, I think it's so shameful and, and so disgusting and diabolical, diabolical that a member of Congress and a so-called member of the media with Stephanopoulos would manipulate that <clears throat> gold star widow I mean, she sounds like a, you know, a young woman who may not be very sophisticated. And for them to... Exploit her. Exploit her. John, I got to go. Call again, buddy. I really want to hear from you again. Absolutely. Exploited by this congressman, exploited by Stephanopoulos. You're right. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is an apple. Some people might try to tell you that it's a banana. They might scream banana, banana, banana over and over and over again. They might put banana in all caps. You might even start to believe that this is a banana. But it's not. This is an apple. Stop. 
Mark Levin here. Okay. This is a boy's room. They may say it's a girl's room, but it's a boy's room. They may see girls' room, girls' room, girls' room over and over and over again. They may even put it in caps. They may yell it. Girls' room. I said girls' room. No, it's a boys' room. Finish the ad. Go ahead. That's the whole ad? CNN's ad? Well, you see, ladies and gentlemen, CNN has a new tagline. Facts first. But how can there be facts first on CNN? As long as you have what I call the CNN quacks, it ought to be quacks first. Stetzler is a quack. Lemon is a quack. They're all quacks. So it's quacks first. But it's more of the CNN propaganda campaign. CNN should just admit they to get uh, James Earl Jones on there. I believe he does the voiceovers there on the, the, the announcer stuff. And he ought to say, CNN... For liberals and Democrats. And I've told you before, if CNN didn't control all the airports and all the rest, somehow it does, they wouldn't have very much uh, in terms of viewers anyway. All right, I want to get to something serious. CNN is not that. There was a Medal of Honor recipient today. A remarkable man. Retired Army Special Forces Medic Gary Michael Rose. I want to tell you a story about this, as reported by WBUR. By the end of a ferocious battle in 1970, the Vietnam War, obviously, Army Special Forces Medic Gary Michael Rose was down to bandanas and shirt sleeves for bandages. Then Sergeant Rose, who goes by Mike, was part of a small group of American commandos and local tribesmen on a covert mission in Laos during the Vietnam War. They were supposed to try to disrupt the North Vietnamese who were funneling weapons on the Ho Chi Minh Trail, a major supply route that networked throughout the country. The mission was covert because Laos was neutral during the war and there weren't supposed to be any U.S. combat troops on the ground in Laos. It was called Operation Tailwind. Now let me stop right there. This is what the left does. We send our men into war and they tie our hands. It wasn't always that way, but it's the new left, the hard left, since the 1960s, up to this day. This is why we're defeating ISIS now, because Trump has unleashed our military to do as our military needs to do with ISIS. Same with Afghanistan. There's been reports now that uh, the CIA is actually sending uh, forces in there, special units in there, to take out the particular Taliban leaders. I'm not breaking that story. It's already out there. That's all good. But during the Vietnam War, many of you may be too young to know this, the uh, Democrats, the leftists, uh, made it incredibly difficult, banned our ability to go into Cambodia, into Laos, and so forth, to take out the Viet Cong and North Vietnamese, who who were attacking our troops in Vietnam from these locations, who were arming their forces from these locations, uh, but we weren't able to at least legitimately or statutorily go in and bomb them, go in and take them out. So Nixon and his generals ordered these clandestine activities, and this is one of the reasons the left hated Nixon. Because he wanted to win that war. 
And over time he realized that given what was taking place in this country, that was not going to happen. All right, let me go back with uh, Mike Rose here. The Americans, who were members of what was called the Studies and Operations Group, SOG, started, so they're in Laos, okay, started taking fire even before their helicopters landed. That was the start of a four-day firefight that left all 16 Americans wounded, including Rose. Rose worked constantly, despite his own serious wounds, including a hole in his foot big enough to slide his finger through. My job was to focus on the individuals that were hurt, he said on Friday at the Pentagon. When you focus in those kinds of circumstances, you don't concern yourself about getting hurt or killed, because if you dwell on that or think about that, you're not going to be able to focus on what you're supposed to be doing. You'll probably get hurt or killed. Today, nearly 50 years later, Rose received the Medal of Honor from President Trump. Mike never stopped, said retired Lieutenant Colonel Eugene McCarley, Rose's commanding officer during the battle. I know he never slept. I don't know that he ever took time to eat because from day one he had his hands full. I can't think of anyone any more deserving than Mike to receive this award. It's an effort we pushed and we fought for for many, many years, and finally looks like it's coming to pass. It took so long in part because Operation Tailwind was classified. Now listen to this part, which is why I played the facts first phony CNN commercial. Please listen to this. There was also a controversy in 1998 when CNN and Time magazine reported that the real goal of the mission that Rose was on was to kill American military defectors and that U.S. pilots had dropped deadly sarin nerve gas on civilians, killing many of them. The Pentagon investigated, found the allegations were false, and CNN issued an on-air retraction of the story. You believe that? You got that? So they had to investigate that, you see. So, uh, writing about this Operation Tailwind, retired Major John Plaster said, I wasn't on the ground with Mike during this operation. However, I overflew them while their mission was underway. I was preparing to take my recon team into Laos, northeast of their location, and was flying a visual recon aboard an O-1 bird dog plane to get the lay of the land as part of my planning process. I recall clearly looking down at their landing zone and seeing a shot-down United States Marine Corps HH-53 helicopter laying there disabled. This is an enormous helicopter, big enough to carry vehicles. Seeing that helicopter, I realized the enemy had heavy anti-aircraft guns nearby, and my pilot and I thought Mike and his company were in great danger, that they might not get out of there. Rose and McCarley thought the same thing on the ground. But on September 14, 1970, Marine helicopters arrived to evacuate the men. Rose jumped on the last chopper, which was hit by enemy fire, and crashed. But even then, Rose was treating the wounded, including a Marine gunner, whose throat had been pierced by a bullet. Mike saved this guy's life, McCarley said. The man should have died in that helicopter. Instead, he lived and came home and died in 2012. Incredibly, no Americans were killed during that four-day battle in Laos. There were only three fatalities overall. This mission was also a success from an operational standpoint. They came home with a trove of intelligence. And this trove of documents gave Military Assistance Command Vietnam its most complete understanding of this Ho Chi Minh Trail network, 
said military historian Eric Villard. Rose and his wife Margaret have been married for nearly 50 years. They live in Huntsville, Alabama, where Mike volunteers for several organizations. And at the White House today, he was with McCarley and several of the men who fought in Operation Tailwind. And he considers the Medal of Honor a collective award for everyone involved in the mission. And in a greater sense, it points to the valor and courage of the men and women who served during Vietnam. This is what he said. And they served with honor and pride. They also, the ones that I know personally, all returned home and continued to serve this country in various capacities. And I consider it a privilege to be counted among them. Why are the media so silent about the Russia collusion story now? Could it be because the Russia collusion story is not about Trump and Trump world? Could it be because the Russia collusion story is about Obama, Mueller, Comey, the Clintons, and uranium? Is this not a big story? Can you tell me where Adam Schiff is lately? Little Adam Schiffless. Where is the man? Man's been in front of TV cameras, what, hundreds of times? He's gone in the witness protection program. Where are the media on the Russian collusion story, ladies and gentlemen? Moreover, what did Mr. Mueller know and when did he know it? Did Mr. Mueller inform anybody in Congress? Anybody. Uh, prior to the election? About what was taking place in Russia? Now, which election? Well, pick your election. He clearly didn't tell the heads of the Intelligence Committee. As a matter of fact, where is the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Mr. Burr? Where is Mr. Uh, what is his name? The uh, the Republican, excuse me, the Democrat, Mark Warner. Where's Mr. Tourette's on this? How come uh, how come he's not talking about the Russian collusion matter anymore? Because the Russian collusion matter, ladies and gentlemen, as it turns out, was never about Trump. Never about Donald Jr., never about uh, whatever. It was always about the Clintons, the Obamas, as you would expect. It wasn't that long ago when the left was very sympathetic to the Russians. Even worse, to the Soviets. Now we have the issue of the dossier, right? There's a cover-up going on that. The FBI won't release information. The three former Wall Street Journal reporters who created this left-wing opposition research hit squad organization, uh, they're all mum. So a document that apparently was used by the FBI, the FBI was so impressed with what the Kremlin had fed these Democrat operatives uh, that they were thinking of paying for more. There's your Russian collusion, ladies and gentlemen. We got a lot of Russian collusion going on around here, don't we? A lot of collusion going on around here. And yet the media, facts first. <laughs> facts first. Is that a joke? You mean FAX? What do you mean facts first? CNN, facts first. They got Chris Cuomo on there, the dumbest of the Cuomos. How can that be facts first? It's stupid first. 
They got Don Lemon, a left-wing kook, late at night. How can that be facts first? Who else they have? You know, you have a whole conga line of uh, leftists. Over there at MSLSD, what is it? Lawrence on MSLSD, you got, they don't even pretend, they don't go facts first on MSLSD. They go, uh, screw you. And you got Lawrence O'Donnell. Hey, everything's in my ear. Everything's in my ear. Hey, sign him up. You got uh, Chris Matthews. Absolute loon. Oh, Congo. Oh, oh, yes. By the way, while I'm on this, may I? Yes. Every now and then, uh, when I'm doing research or doing whatever I'm doing, I uh, I turn on this show, and it hasn't been in a while. Sunday morning on CBS. You know that show, Mr. Producer? Well, I liked it when, you know, they used to show pictures of sort of birds on a pond or something or uh, something interesting. But it's extremely liberal and, and filled with propaganda. It's an extremely cleverly done propaganda program. Always promoting liberalism. Always. And they had the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo on. The morning schmo and Mr. Schmo. Scarborough Brzezinski. And it was a complete puff piece. A complete puff piece. And this is what the morning schmo has always wanted to have been. Always wanted to have been. Accepted. By the progressives. Accepted by the media. He wanted to be on Fox. They wouldn't have him. Then he's on MSLSD. He wanted to be part of the beautiful people who aren't so beautiful. And trust me, he kissed Donald Trump's butt. Donald Trump was on there. Do you remember during the primaries, Mr. Bedus? Donald Trump was on the morning schmo with Mrs. Schmo. Or they would be Mrs. Schmo. And they loved him and they found him entertaining and blah, blah, blah. And now, it's the favorite show of the North Korean generals. <laughs> of the North Korean generals. First of all, I didn't know they had TV. But apparently they do. And they're locked into the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo. But CBS Sunday Morning has really turned into a real crap show. It really has. And, and the propaganda is worse than most shows because they're not in your face about it. It's very, you know. And, and they play to the New York Times crowd. That's what it is. So that's another show off my list. Not that it was really on my list, but it's a show I won't be watching anytime soon. Jamie, Atlanta, Georgia, the great WYAY country. Go. There you go. My, my thing is the, the Congress lady down in Florida is a, a distraction to keep us off of this Mueller, uh, Russia, Uranium One thing that's going on. Mueller was in charge of the FBI when, when they were investigating this. They're keeping right. an FBI informant from testifying before Congress. All of these people are complicit or incompetent. And I'll call my congressman two to three times a week to find Who's out that? who needs to Who's talk your to congressman? why they're not being locked up. Who's your con- well, you, you can't just lock them up. You know, you got to actually have a charges in a trial, right? Yeah, I, I understand that. But my con- third congressional district in Georgia is Ferguson. It used to be Westmoreland. I'm getting my paperwork up to run because I'm sick of the corruption that's going on in Washington, D.C., Mm-hmm. And that's what the American people tired of. They want to blame Trump for everything. Trump is the reason Trump's 
was elected is because we're tired of the corruption on both sides of the aisle, not just Democrats, mm-hmm. Republicans also. Comey and Ryan were part of this. They, they kept it from going in front of Congress. They're all corrupt. That's the problem with this. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. Appreciate it. We now have, and we've had now, evidence of Russian collusion for some time now with Hillary, with Obama. And now Mr. Mueller and Mr. Comey and Mr. Rosenstein, the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, was U.S. Attorney in Maryland when Mueller was the FBI Director. You see the ancestral relationship here? Incestuous relationship? And... uh this uranium thing is a big deal. But they'll try and cover it up the way they did Benghazi. And then at some point they'll bring it up to make a parallel to something else to try and embarrass Trump. Facts first, CNN. Does CNN realize what a joke it is? As long as you have Brian Stetzler there, whatever the hell the uh, little fat boy's name is. Or you have uh, one of the Cuomos there and the dumbest one. And Don Lemon. And all the rest of them there on CNN, they'll never be facts first. I'll be right back. Ever notice how you come across somebody once in a while that you shouldn't have messed with? That's Mark. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. Unbelievable. What takes place during the breaks here, isn't it, Mr. Producer? Yes, it be. Oh, yes, it is. Hillsdale College. Let's talk about education for a minute. Did you know that more than 15 states have begun requiring high school students to pass a basic citizenship test in order to graduate? It's sad. Such a test is even necessary, and it shows me that to the extent American civics education even exists anymore, something has gone very wrong with it. That's why, besides their free online courses and in Primus, Hillsdale College is making an impact in K-12 education. Here's how. Hillsdale helps found and provides ongoing support and guidance to classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Thousands of elementary and high school students, by the way, are enrolled already. And Hillsdale does it all without taking a single penny of taxpayer funding or money from the schools themselves. It's called the Barney Charter School Initiative, and it's revolutionizing K-12 education. And you can learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Watch the brief, powerful video about this exciting work and witness the difference Hillsdale is making on thousands of lives across the country. That's levinforhillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. All right. Michael, Savannah, Georgia, the great WTKS. Go. Hey, Mark, this uh, this tax plan, I just, I, it's driving me crazy. I was hoping yeah. that Trump would, you know, somebody would change his mind, you know, from the campaign when, when he came out with this. And it's gotten worse, not better. It's not. It, this isn't a tax break at all. It's driving me nuts. I don't know who is talking to him. I don't know what is going on. I keep calling my senators, my congressmen. I can't get any straight answers. I just, I just, I, I, this is like a tax hike, not a tax break. It's driving me crazy. I don't know what to do anymore. 
I, I, it's like they're giving with one hand, taking with another, isn't it? It's, it's terrible. I, I, and I wrote a tax plan. I even sent it to like every senator. I sent it to both my senators, my congressmen. I sent it to congressmen in other states. But it covered like a lot of the stuff like that you were talking about. Like it doesn't, it doesn't hurt imports. It doesn't hurt exports. It doesn't, it, it's a massive income tax. Kind of has a little fair tax in it. And I, I, I covered all the bases. Hey, I, I even sent it to the White House. I sent it to Don Hannity. I sent it to everybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm losing you, bro. I apologize. It's the connection, as we say. Forrest, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP, please. Go right ahead. Hi, Mark. I'm the second one in a row who who's being driven nuts by this administration. It's a simple question. Donald Trump runs the executive branch of government. Why do you believe he is not insisting that the FBI and other agencies look into these things? That I, we, it, 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 go ahead. You finish. No, we, mean, we, we complain about them and we, we rant about them, but it, we rant about them almost as if the opposition is in charge. Well, they're not, and, and that's just simply my question. I don't know what's going on. Maybe there's some secret investigating going on, something like that, but it is enormously frustrating because I can assure you if Eric Holder were running the Justice Bar and Obama were president, things would be, be handled quite differently, wouldn't they? I, yes, they would be, absolutely. They would be overt about it. It seems as if there's a, some sort of fear, which we know, we know exists, but you know, Jeff Sessions ought to be all over Ron, Ron, you know, his, his deputy attorney general and asking questions when these things that are coming out are factual, right? I mean, they're, they just are. Andy McCarthy's piece was fascinating. And Excellent. These are things we don't, just don't ignore. I just would, don't understand why this administration, you made the, you've made the point brilliantly over, over the time. Donald Trump, the president of the United States, runs the executive branch. Well, then, get busy. It could be, this here's a theory, John, General Kelly's, you know, filtering so much that maybe it can't be that he doesn't know this stuff, correct? No, the, I mean, the, the president look, reads the media. The president knows what's going on with Russia. The president tweeted the other day about Russia. Uh, and, uh, look, but the president can't be involved in every single thing. The people around him should be advancing this. And the Republicans in Congress should be advancing this. And not just for political purposes. This is a real serious issue. The selling of our government to ensure that, uh, Russia gets 20% of our uranium. Let me ask you, wouldn't that be a bad movie if that was the basis for a movie? I'm a writer. That would be a horrible. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible to me. And and look at the Praetorian Guard media. Look how some of them begrudgingly cover it, but most of them don't cover anything. I hope like heck it's happening in the background. All right, my friend. Thanks for your call. Let's continue. Mark, Tri-Cities, Washington, the great KFLD. Go. Mark Levin, great to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you hey, I, my ears perked up when you were talking about Arlen Specter and uh, Pat Toomey. I remember those days well. And Mitch McConnell and the Republican Guard, I mean, they just would not leave Senator Specter when he was 
like voting barely, what, 50.5% with the Republicans and 49.5% with the Democrats, so he could call himself a Republican. And here you had Toomey, clearly conservative Republican all the way, and they just couldn't come over. And then in the end, Specter ends up changing parties to the Democrats. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, it's like, good. Oh, and, and who did they blame? I went back and read it. The same Republicans who attack conservatives today, they blamed the club for growth. Oh. They blamed, they blamed Toomey. Yeah, I was just pulling my hair out because the specter, I mean, you just couldn't. Let, let me do it this way. I want to encourage everybody in the audience to Google Mitch McConnell and Arlen Specter and Pat Toomey, Mitch McConnell, Charlie Crist, and Marco Rubio. The truth is the truth. Yeah. All right, my brother. Thank you for your call. All right. We're talking about the fact that McConnell went on his show Sunday, and lied through his teeth about who he supported in those uh, Republican primaries. Just lied through his teeth. Jim, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Sirius Satellite, go. Hey, I I, I got to disagree. I mean, I, I'm getting frustrated that everything gets shot down. Have we learned nothing from the progressives? Um, nothing's ever good enough for the conservatives here. Make some progress. Make any progress. Yeah, yeah, that's the conservatives. You sound like McConnell. You know, it's the it's the conservatives, guys, who are screwing up everything. Make some progress, any progress, while adding additional tax rate, or as the Republicans wanted to do, and I guess you support it, killing basically the 401k system. Yeah, doing all these things, anything, just do anything. See, the difference between you and me, Jim, is this to me isn't the game of bingo. For me, this is the game of reality. It's what's real. And if Republicans are proposing bad things and the president supports a bad thing, I oppose it. Nobody's a purist around here. They said they were going to do certain things, and we want them to do certain things. And I guess you feel the same thing on the repeal and everything else. Just give them a break, ladies and gentlemen. Jim, you're the reason why we have this swamp. You're the reason why we have these insiders. Because if we outsiders don't press them, we're going to get worse and worse and worse stuff. How do you think we got Gorsuch? Because during the course of the campaign, constitutional conservatives, you know, we purists, we demanded that at least when it comes to the Supreme Court, we wanted to make sure that our nominee, whomever it was, would nominate conservatives. Either you fight for what you believe in or you're passive. And that's the difference. Steve, Portland, Maine, the great WGAN, go. Hey, Mark, thanks. Uh, this uh, tax break is just smoke and mirrors, in my opinion. Uh, a couple of guys have said this in the last few minutes. They're going to move some stuff around. It's like a shell game. It's, you know, if the American people fall for this, shame on them. Uh, well, what do you but, think of the last caller who said, look, you guys are purists, and we just got to have some wins here? Well, we, we have to have some wins, but they've got to be wins that stick. And that have- I know. Are we purists because we want a real tax cut? Oh, sure, a real one, sure. Absolutely. So we're, you know, Reagan wanted a real tax cut. Was he a purist? And he got one. He got one, yeah. He got one. The problem is, though, we need money to run the government. And they're going to go into debt, what, $1.5 trillion over 10 well, years? Well, why don't they cut spending? They cut spend. oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so, where's that proposal? Right, exactly. Can I ask a quick question on The answer is nowhere. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, back, back in 1941, when we opted to go to war with Germany, 
uh, c- Congress could vote on it. It wasn't on TV all over the place. It wasn't on the Internet. How is Trump, if he wants to go proactive on North Korea, how is he going to get Congress on board when they can't agree on anything to begin with? I'm not really following. Well, my point is, is, is how, how is Trump going to go to Congress to get approval if they have to get proactive in military in North Korea? How is he going to do you remember? Do you remember the circumstances of us declaring war on Germany? Uh, kind of, yes. Yeah. And by the way, we've only had a relative handful of declarations of war, unfortunately. Right. No, what happened? We were attacked at Pearl Harbor. And we declared, and then uh, Germany and Italy declared war on us. Then FDR had an emergency session of Congress, and we declared war in Japan, and then we declared war in Germany and Italy. <clears throat> so we did not preemptively declare war on any of those countries. We declared war on them because, number one, we were attacked. Number two, they were the, in an access, the access powers. And number three, they declared war on us. Right. I have a different question. How should Trump do this if he decides that we must attack North Korea preemptively after his generals have decided, his national security, the State Department. They say, this guy's going to attack us. We better attack him. If we go to Congress for a declaration of war, and yet we're trying to preemptively take out some of his sites, how do we do that? Very tricky. Yeah, absolutely. Very tricky. Very tricky. Now, can Trump say, since the Korean War never really got over, that the United States can do anything that they want? That's actually an excellent point. So from a legal perspective, point of view <clears throat> yeah it's just a uh, a they just uh, a, a you're right there's never really been a uh, official end to that war i don't know i mean i'd have to give it some thought i can tell you if i were president and i thought that guy was going to launch a missile at los angeles i would hit him first and then i'd go to congress yeah absolutely agree and, just and, as a practical matter right the situation is though if he hasn't threatened us enough i know it's just words but uh, as further he gets backed into a corner, he's going to lose one of those. Well, it, that's also part of the problem, though. If the president goes to Congress and he says, "Look, I, I need the the right to to go to we I need the power to go to war against uh, North Korea. I need it now, just in case of a preemptive situation. Wouldn't that instigate or provoke North Korea to take action? I would think so. One of the things that Trump can so do. So it's all very tricky. If the attack is imminent, he has the authority to do it, but he, Correct. he has to really prove it. And uh, it just seems like we're going we're gonna to kick the can indefinitely on this. And I just well, you're in a lucky me. place because Maine. I don't think Maine's a target area right now. No, the only thing is Bush's compound is down, down in Kennebunkwa, but I'm not too worried about yeah, that. Yeah, but he's got one in Houston too. And here's the thing, or Waco, I guess. I don't know where he is, but uh, they don't have anything that can reach Maine yet. You know, so we'll see. All right, thanks for your call, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, you've heard me talk about Kyle Cox, the owner of Blindster.com. Kyle is an American success story. He came up with the idea of selling online, high-quality, do-it-yourself window treatments several years ago. And now the big corporations are trying to rip him off. They're trying to copy him. But don't be fooled by those corporations. Blindster.com, that's blindster.com, is the only company I endorse for custom blind shades and shutters. Why? 
because it's a mom-and-pop business, the kind that makes America the greatest nation in the world, and because Kyle showed me that I could measure for and install custom-made blinds myself. And if I can do it, trust me, you can do it too. And because you'll always get Kyle's personal fit or free guarantee, if for any reason your blinds don't fit, even if it's your mistake, Blindster will make the new sizes needed for free. You only pay shipping. And to top it off, my buddy Kyle gives my listeners, you, 40% off. And the prices are already great. Just enter promo code MARK. Promo code MARK. Do it at checkout so you get the 40% off your entire order. Blindster.com, blindster.com, promo code MARK. All right, Mike, St. Clair Shores, Michigan, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm all right. Uh, you know you? what? We we actually do live in a two-class system here. We have those that work and those that don't. And many of those that don't certainly can work and choose not to. They're so happy to just, uh, you know, do nothing and get a check or whatever. And by, and by the way, we know that what you're saying, at least in part, is true, because when we put the workfare part in the welfare program, less people were on welfare and more people moved into work. Absolutely right. And you know what? We're, we're, me and, and my class of people that work every day, we, we've learned a long time ago what our bootstraps are for. We know that if you want to stand on your feet, you got to use a little backbone. It's called deferred gratification. You take any job. You work. You start. You move on. You, you, you apply for a better job. This is life. Mm-hmm. You know what? You, 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 just like your parents, uh, you know, you, you've spoken so, so highly about your parents. God bless them. You know that, mm-hmm. you know, they started off small and, and look where they're at today. You know, Zero. these are, these are baby steps. Uh, and you know what else, Mike? You, you, you're so articulate. What do you do? I'm a truck driver. Yeah, you're really good you know in what? the way you explain this. Well, you know what? And it's a God's honest truth. You know what? There's some years that uh, I've owned my own truck. Uh, I didn't make that much money. The truck started breaking down. I became a company driver again. And, and now I'm thinking about buying another truck. And you know what? I'm going to take another swing at that ball. I'm going to do it. You know, it may not be this time. Maybe it'll be the next time. But you know what? I tell you what. My children have learned from my example. My daughter's in medical school. My son works hard. Wow. Uh, I rarely make over thirty-five, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year. I'm out on the road 330 days a year. Boy. Um, you know what? This is life. Well, let me ask you a question. What do you think about these football players taking a knee? Well, you know what? I think you should take a knee at night to thank the good Lord for everything you've been given today mm-hmm. and in the past and, and, and look at your children and be thankful for that. That's what you ought to be taking your knee for. You ought to stand proud, put your hand on your heart. Them players ought to keep that helmet in their left hand and their right hand on their heart. Stand proud and stand tall. They make more money than I ever will in my lifetime. And you know what? I gotta be, I gotta be completely honest with you. It, excuse my language, it pisses careful, me co- off. Careful, careful, careful. It, it really ticks me off how, how yeah. they're acting. You know, their, their agenda's changing daily like the weather. They, they stand for nothing, uh, let alone. Oh, the they, flag. they, they now pretend they're these, uh, social justice warriors. You know what? I don't, we don't need any social justice warriors, uh, uh, we don't need millionaire football players telling us about social justice. Oh, it's their right to do this. It's their right to do that. Well, it's our right to uh, not come to the into the to the games and not watch them. 
And Fine. you know what? I haven't watched the Lions game yet this year. You know what they say, you know, you Lions, they'll never make the Super Bowl. That's not true. I mean, the Cubbies made the World Series after 104 years, so maybe hell. So you have 104 years. So you have a little ways to go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mike, you sound like a delightful guy. Thanks for calling, buddy. All right. Show's over already? Honest to God. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Facts matter. Facts first. And if you believe in facts, don't watch CNN. I'll see you tomorrow, America.